reminder of the grace of God, and there is no pit so deep that Jesus can't reach you. There is no life so lost that he can't find you. And praise the Lord for the grace of God. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians. Most of where we're going to be at today will be in Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter number 2, I think, is where we should start. Ephesians chapter number 2. As we begin a new year, <clears throat> and we begin with a new year on the first day of the week, I appreciate you being in church with us today. I want to talk about something I think is very essential and something that needs to be reminded of, and uh, I want to preach to you about this today in Ephesians chapter 2. As we get started, I want to preach on the home, and not just the home, but the church home. And it all starts with, of course, the individual. So let me read Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace, and that's what Bob was just singing about, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation is not of works. If you think you're going to heaven because of anything you've done, you're probably sadly mistaken. You're not going to heaven by your works. You're going to heaven by grace. You're going to heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. And it is by grace that we are saved, otherwise we'd all be in trouble. The man who wrote the song Amazing Grace was a slave trader. John Newton, he was not a good man until he became a Christian and got saved. And that's why he wrote the song Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. So as we begin today, I want to read these verses and then we'll pray and get started. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for opportunity now to open it and to read from it and to learn from it together. I pray you'd help me to speak and preach exactly what needs to be said, <clears throat> that we'd hear from you today. Pray for those out of town, those not with us, for whatever the reason is, sickness or otherwise, that you'll be with them and you'll protect them and bring them back to us soon. We thank you for the ones that have came today that are from out of town. We thank you for uh, that blessing. We thank you for uh, just the new year and uh, the opportunities that we have and will will have this year. We thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Number one, is there salvation in the home? If you're going to have a good home, you need to have salvation. I realize there are people who did not have salvation, who had a happy home and a joyful home and a sim simple home, but rarely is that the case. Typically, uh, there's going to be a dysfunction or a shortcoming somewhere. But first of all, I want to point out to this to you very, very seriously that salvation is a requirement if you're going to even practice anything in the Word of God. The Bible says in chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's the blood of Christ shed on the cross that atones us and, and pays for our sin. And then it says here in verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so salvation is when you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for you, and without his payment, you have no hope of reaching heaven. Your eternal destiny is hell instead of heaven without Christ, and you realize that and recognize that your lost condition condemns you. 
And when you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you trust in him and the gospel good news message of Christ for salvation, you have the ability and then the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life, which is free by grace. And so therefore, chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith and then not of yourselves. It is a gift, not a work. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So number one, is there salvation? Because if you're not born again, everything else that I'm going to talk about will be impossible for you to do. And it will be impossible for you to carry it out. And so you must be born again. And if there's anyone here today that is not saved, you need to understand that the rest of us in here that are saved used to be just like you. And it wasn't until we got saved that things began to change. And I appreciate people coming to church and especially in the new year. But let me remind you that just going into church does not make you a Christian. I think Christians go to church. I think that's what Christians should do. But walking into Pizza Hut doesn't make me a pizza. And walking into a church building won't make me a Christian all by itself. That won't do it. So there has to be a born-again experience. John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. The first birth isn't good enough no matter who you are and how good you are. You must be born again. And John three sixteen says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so salvation comes by recognizing the gift of God through Jesus Christ and our salvation. So this all changed for me when my dad got saved. My mother was saved as a teenage girl didn't know much, didn't know anything, and didn't even know that she probably shouldn't have married a guy who wasn't a Christian, but she did. And God had mercy on that and and grace on that. And my dad heard the gospel probably for the first time in his 20s after he was married. And my dad received Christ as his Savior and was born again. And from that day, my mom and dad were now a united couple in salvation. And then they began to seek and to find a place to go to church. And it changed the destiny and the direction of our family, of me, and uh, others uh, influenced by that decision. So I can't emphasize enough. Is there salvation in the home? Are you born again? Mom, dad, child, are you saved? That's the most important. But now, secondly... As we go to chapter 5, we see some things that is then expected of Christians, believers. Secondly, Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Secondly, is there submission in the home? It is not our natural instinct to enjoy submission. I've got a German Shepherd puppy. She's a year old now. She submits, but she doesn't like it. It's just not within our natural makeup to submit very much. But it is God's design that we are people who submit. And God has given us an order of submission. That's just his setup. This is not a chauvinistic message. This is just what God has designed. And so verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For as the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, just right there, I just read a bunch of words that are just politically incorrect today. I mean, that just doesn't fly. But you know what? There's a reason for that, and I'll get to it in a minute. But I'm just telling you what God's word says. And by the way, in case you don't know, God's the maker. 
And whenever you're not sure how to operate something, it's a real good idea to read the owner's manual because the owner's manual is the word of God. And the word of God says this, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Be therefore followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances which I delivered them unto you. But I would have you know, verse 3, that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. There is an order of submission, even for Christ. Christ recognized God as the Father, and he submitted to him, the Bible teaches. And so we have that example of Christ in submission, and we are to recognize the importance and recognize the different roles that we play as individuals in our world today and in our home. Is there submission in the home? Now, I'm going to go to the third point, and as I go to the third point, I'm going to hopefully answer some questions that might be rolling around in somebody's head right now. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, and then in verse 25, here's what it says. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then verse 25 says, Husbands, right after it talked about wives submit, it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Is there love in the home? You know what the biggest problem that we're seeing today, and I do believe this, and I almost I almost just aimed at men today by themselves. The biggest problem we have with what God teaches and what we see in our world today is we don't have godly, manly leadership. We have men who might be recognizing that they're the head, but they're not godly men. You know what happens when you're not godly? You're usually selfish and self-centered. There, there is no indication in God's word that he's expecting the family of God, the people of God, to look like caveman where the man's dragging the wife around and carrying a big club. Instead, the Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, all you gotta do is read the Bible to find out how much Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know why we have a hard time with God? Because God is called Father. And there's many of us that did not necessarily have a good example of what that is. You hear what I'm saying? Do you know it's not just a coincidence when you look at the Ten Commandments that the first four and a half is all about you and God. The Ten Commandments start out, no other gods before me, no graven images, remember the Sabbath. The Ten Commandments is all about us and God. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, there's this hinge. And the hinge is, honor thy father and mother. And then from that hinge, it's all about, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. And all of a sudden, the second half of the Ten Commandments turns into our relations to other people. And the hinge is that parent relationship, the father. And it is, and I can't emphasize this enough, but men, it is the job of men to exemplify the heavenly father. 
It is the job of men, husbands, to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever done dirty to Jesus Christ? And did he die on the cross for you anyway? And does he forgive you when you come to him and confess that anyhow? See, we really can't say, well, you have no idea what she... And listen, I realize sometimes there are some amazing stories of what ladies can do, but I'm telling you right now, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did he demonstrate his love for the church? That leads me to the fourth point. We'll get to, he sacrificed himself. Now, the demonstration and the example of love typically in most homes comes from who usually? The mom. For some reason, us, us macho men have a hard time even saying the word love, let alone demonstrating it. But according to the word of God, we see Christ being the one. In fact, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The demonstration of love and the demonstrator of love should should be the husband. Now, this does not let women off the hook. We are to also recognize that ladies are to demonstrate love as well. Titus chapter number two and verse one, it says, but thou speak thou the things which become sound doctrine and the aged men and be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The word charity being love. Verse three, and the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. How do you teach the young women to do these things by your example to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet chaste keepers at home good obedient to their own husbands that the word of god be not blasphemed you see ladies god expects you to love as well but honestly it starts with the man recognizing that it is his job to demonstrate that love toward his family just as christ demonstrated his love to us so is there submission in the home is there love in the home. Verse 33 again back there in Ephesians says, nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. You know, I'm I'm I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at loving myself. I've been doing that a long time. As long as I can remember, I pretty much loved myself. <laughs> Comes naturally. It says here in verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. You want her to be a queen? Why don't you treat her like a queen? You want her to treat you like a king? Why don't you treat her like a queen? Is there sacrifice in the home that proves the love <laughs> typically what happens if there's a pizza and the family's sitting down to pizza and there's four people in the family and there's nine pieces or seven pizzas and there's an odd number who usually is the first one to say I'll go without 
That's okay. I won't have my second piece. It's usually mom. Typically, mom becomes the sacrificer. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not saying that if that happens in your home, you're a bad person. But I'm telling you this. The leader of sacrifice should be the dad. And somehow, we've got this idea that we can have our toys, you know, our $600 gun and our how many thousand dollar whatever vehicle and our this toy and that toy and and the things we got to do here and the thing and those are well what are you talking about I take care of her she's got a brand new washing machine it's even got bluetooth dude it's a washing machine it's for work but we do that we do, we think that way and we don't recognize that the leader in love and the leader in sacrifice is to be the man. And the example of that is our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It is not always my agenda and my way and my will. And this is not easy because being the head of the home, a lot of times you get to be kind of the boss. But you know what? Jesus was certainly the boss. And yet he spent his life for us. Is there submission in the home? Is there love in the home? Is there sacrifice in the home? <coughs> and, and then is there respect? and obedience in the home. Now, I've talked a lot about the husbands, and there's more to what could be said. And and again, I, I hope you understand that children are having a hard time understanding who God is because they're having a hundred time picturing God being like their dad who was not a good example. Women are having a hard time submitting to God as the Bible teaches because, to be honest, he, 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 he's just hard to submit to. But the Bible does say at the end of verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Is the respect and obedience in the home. Look in verse one of chapter six, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And can I tell you something? There are times when a husband and a father does not do what God's word says. There are times that a wife does not do what God's word says. And there are certainly times when children do not obey their parents, as God's word says. And even when other people in our life are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, guess what I'm still supposed to be doing? Obeying God. And the reason why I do it is not necessarily because I think they deserve it, but because he said to do it. And I can tell you this, that there have been times, and I wish it weren't so, but there have been times where my wife has submitted and revered me and respected my wishes and my decision and has taught the children to obey, not because I deserved it, not because I was being a good husband, but because God is still a good God. And she was demonstrating to the children that no matter how lousy dad might be sometimes, God's still God. 
is there respect and obedience in the home. One thing you can teach your children that's a wonderful thing to teach them is that you're really not obeying mom and dad, you're obeying God. And when you disobey mom and dad, it's really not them only you're disobeying. It's God. And we should demonstrate, and and I won't get off into this too much today, but the book of Proverbs talks about the rod and reproof give wisdom. And I'm telling you right now, according to the word of God, we spank our kids. Again, you might say, that sounds horrifying. Look, if you come from a background where it was abuse, spanking is going to be hard. But no matter how bad someone else disobeyed God, it doesn't excuse us from what God tells us to do. And the best spankings, I, I, our preacher, John Getch, he tells a story about one time. He did something wrong. He disobeyed his parents. He lived on a farm in Wisconsin, and his dad was out working with the cows in the barn, the dairy cows, whatever they were getting things done out there. And, and John said he went out there, and he knew that he had hurt his parents when his mother sent him out of the house to the barn, she picked up the phone and called the barn. Dad picked up and already heard what it was about. So dad already knew what this was about when John walked into the barn. And John Getz said that when he walked into the barn, he wasn't sure what his dad was going to do, but his dad was a big man and tough guy, and he wasn't sure what his dad was going to do. But he said when his dad turned around, both eyes were streaming with tears. He said, I wish he'd have given me a spanking. But to stand there and cry and to tell me how hurt he was that I would disobey broke me like nothing else could. Listen, there are times we spank our children, but when we spank them and we don't do it anymore, they're getting old enough. Hopefully they don't need it anymore. But when we spank them, we sat them down and said, listen, this isn't just because you disobeyed me. It's because you disobeyed the word of God. And we taught them a respect for authority. Does anybody here notice besides me that we're having an authority problem in our country? There's just such a lack of respect. But you know what? It really, even though no one wants to admit it, it's really a lack of respect for God. And God instituted authority. And when we obey and, and, and we do what we're supposed to, and when authority does what it's supposed to do, man, everything flows smoothly. And everything is as it should be, and everything clicks but when authority is not living what they're to be, it just it's just a trickle-down domino effect. And it hurts everyone, and it causes people to retaliate. And then there's a lack of respect for authority and a lack of obedience that takes place. And pretty soon, it becomes typical not to obey and typical not to respect and typical not to submit. And it carries over till we become adults and we still haven't learned to obey and to be disciplined and to have respect for authority. And pretty soon, we really find out that we're really mad at God. And what a huge blessing you are to your family and to your community when you teach the opposite. And when you first of all recognize that I as an individual Christian answer to a heavenly God, my maker, and one day I will stand before him and I will give an account for what I have done with the life he has given me. And as a husband, I am married to someone that now took, my name and she is a part of me and two have become one and I now am responsible for her 
and it is up to me to make sure I am following the Lord Jesus Christ and I am obeying him completely as I take care of her. And then when he blessed us with children, I no longer just had a responsibility to my spouse. I have responsibility to these children and to teach them to fear the God that I fear. And I stand before you today and say, praise God, I have not perfect children, but God-fearing children. And a wife who fears the Lord and probably is even better example of some of this than I am sometimes. But is there respect and obedience in the home? See, this isn't just about us getting along or us getting what we want or you kids be quiet. I'm trying to watch the football game. This isn't about that. This is about teaching them that we do what we do because there's a God. And we respect and we obey laws because there's a God who instituted all kinds of laws and authority in our life. And we need to recognize that. This leads me to another thing then, and that is also in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I have heard it said many times, and I know it's true. I have seen it with my own eyes. I've seen children who grew up to be adults, and they have a real problem with authority. They have a real problem with any man telling them what to do. You know why? They grew up in a home without a dad. They grew up in a home with a derelict dad, with a dad who was just not a good example, a dad who let them down and to the point where there became bitterness in their heart and the mother, of course, is just full of bitterness because of his deadbeatness and just all the stuff that's going on and pretty soon they just grew up with this attitude that men are just pigs and a lot of them are. And they don't recognize that this comes back to who designed marriage and who designed the home and who's disobeying. And, and I'm just going to say it right now. Our country's in a mess mainly because of the men. Not just today's men, the men from generations past. And your fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Some have grown up in a home where dad was always there, but he was always drunk. Or he was always there, but he's always busy doing his thing. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I know this is true. Fathers, you can do some really stupid things. You can make big, big, big time mistakes. But your children will forgive you. You come to your children and you just tell them that you are wrong and you are sincerely wrong and you recognize that you know you're wrong and you recognize the need for their forgiveness. And I'm telling you, based on my own experience, I'm telling you, your kids will forgive. Why? You're their dad. They want to. And you know what else happens? We, we've got, I call it the Fonzie syndrome because when I was a kid, there was this guy on TV that could never say he was, he could never say he was that word. You know what I know for a fact? One of the best teaching moments I have with my children and my wife is when I can say I was wrong. See, I'm real good at reminding them, I'm the boss. I'm the head of the home. I'm real good at reminding them of that. 
but I'm not so good at re reminding them I, I was wrong. I need to ask your forgiveness because my behavior was wrong. I was angry. I lost my temper. I did this. I, did, I was selfish, blah, blah, blah. Imagine when you are a pastor and a parent and your kids are listening to you preach stuff like this. That's why the Bible says if a man can't rule his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? I mean, if a pastor can't live what he's preaching, the first one's going to know it is his family. So is there a care and a consistency in the home? Are you inconsistent or consistent? One day do you really get after them for disobeying and the next day they get away with it and you don't do anything about it? That's inconsistent. My dog will tell you that's frustrating. My dog will tell you it's frustrating when one day you guys make me sit still and, and sit up and sit still and make me wait for my food and the next day you don't care. That's frustrating. And the same thing with your kids. And with your neighbors and everyone else and your boss and your employers and everybody, that's the same. You aren't consistent. It's frustrating. And when I was a younger father with children playing in the floor of the living room and I'm sitting in my lazy boy chair and I just kicked up the recliner and all of a sudden two of them start fighting or one of them starts, man, the last thing I want to do is to kick that thing back down and get out of my seat and have to deal with it. And that's my laziness. Or then just putting it off and saying, well, I'm just going to let that go. I can't let it go. You know why? I have a heavenly father that doesn't treat me that way. I have a heavenly father that loves me enough to point out everything and to say, look, that needs to be dealt with. I can't just be let go. Otherwise, what happens is, is that you say, Johnny, stop bouncing the ball. But you don't really mean it, so Johnny keeps bouncing the ball. And then Johnny starts bouncing the ball again, and pretty soon he's bouncing more. Johnny, stop bouncing the ball. Anybody ever see this play out? And pretty soon, Johnny, stop out. And Johnny keeps, and, oh, I wish he wouldn't bounce the ball. Listen, there's a, there's a cure for that. And then Johnny bounces the ball, and it knocks over the flower vase, and it shatters the thing, or it goes through the window, and now all of a sudden Johnny has broken something. And you know what you just told Johnny? It doesn't matter unless you break something. I don't really mean what I say unless it costs something. That's what you just told Johnny. That's inconsistency. And it's provoking your children to wrath. And we do it a lot in many different ways. Is there care and consistency? Is there stability in the home? Are we what we say we are? And are we expecting what we say we expect? I'm so thankful I have a God who is consistent. Yesterday, today, and forever, he is the same. And then number seven, is there nurture and admonition in the home? Look at this back in 528, chapter 528. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, 
but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. God is what makes us blossom. God is the cultivator and treats us like a flower that just needs to be cultivated and watered and protected and we blossom. And men, when we do that with our wives, wow. There's nurturing there. Look at chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. Is there nurturing? Again, it's hard for us proud dads to sometimes just give out compliments, but I'll tell you what, it's a blessing. And it's a blessing to them when you say, hey, you did a good job. That was a blessing. I appreciated that. And you nurture them. And sometimes the nurturing involves admonishing. Hey, you didn't do a good job. Hey, 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 I saw that. But there's a consistency of both. It isn't just all one or all the other. It's just a balance in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If these things are in the home and these things are being demonstrated as you follow the Lord in his word and as you realize all the ways that your heavenly father fathers you and how that you are to be a father and a husband and, and a lover to the, your, your, their mother and a father to the children and you recognize these things, I'm telling you right now, it makes a huge difference. And I don't know what woman doesn't really want this if it's consistent and godly. And when they see it demonstrated, oh, there might be some hard cases. I know there have been. But when they see those things demonstrated, I think of one lady. I saw her just about six, seven weeks ago. Some of you know who I'm talking about. It's Mrs. Holder. Mrs. Holder was one of those people who grew up in a home without a father. Her father was a deadbeat. And Sharon Holder's mother became the head of the home because she had to. By necessity, she had to make the decisions and provide because dad was a deadbeat. But what happens is over time, you get used to that and you begin to despise and to think, we don't really need that guy around. Well, when Harold married Sharon, Harold came from a Christian home. And Harold understood the order of things and what God expected. And Harold understood it biblically, whereas Sharon thought she did, but she didn't. (laughs) Wow. There was lots of meeting of the minds going on inside the house. And she was so stubborn in the the stories they would tell. We laugh. My parents actually lived just two houses down from where they used to be when I first met them. She was. We were sitting in that home years ago, twenty five years ago. She was telling me how that uh, she she wasn't a very good cook, and uh, he was trying to be as as kind and as appreciative as he could be, and and so she made some kind of meal, and she knew it was terrible. She knew it was terrible. She knew. She just, it was awful. She just, she burned it. She, and it, she, she knew, but it was time for dinner. So she served it to him. And she served it to him expecting him to not like it. And she served it to him and he sat down. And he's sawing on it with his knife. And he's trying to get his fork into it. And, hmm, hmm, thank you. It's good. Now tell me the truth. Well, it, it, it is a little tough. I knew it. She grabbed the plate and threw it out the window. 
That was the relationship they had. They were funny. She said, though, I remember years ago, she gave her testimony over in Wyoming where we used to be. And she said, I'm going to tell you something. And she, with tears in her eyes, she looked at all the ladies that were sitting there. She said, we were over in Europe. He was in the Air Force and we were together, but I was so angry and wanted to go home to my mother. And I finally said, I'm leaving you. And I left him. And as I was leaving him, he said, now I want you to understand that even if you leave me, I'm still your husband and I'm going to take care of you. So you need to tell me where you're at so I can send you some money. And she said, don't you understand? I don't want your money. He said, I I know that, but you need to understand that you're still my wife and I need to take care of you. And with tears in her eyes, she said, that man wouldn't stop loving me, even though I was telling him to. What an awesome testimony that is. And they're still together. And God has blessed them. See, strong Christians, I I know there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and, and I'll be honest, I question some of the people who call themselves Christians if they really are. And, and, and I don't mean to be God because I'm not, but, you know, the Bible does say, by their fruits you'll know them. And after a while, it's like, where is any evidence that you are a Christian? But there are some people who are Christians, and yet they never, ever apply anything of the Bible to their life. They never submit to God for themselves So they certainly aren't going to submit to anyone else. Can I tell you something? They're not strong Christians. They might be saved, but they're not strong Christians. But Christians who are strong Christians, you know what they do? They build families. They build strong families. It just kind of comes, can I say it naturally? It comes spiritually because they they start to obey God and the husband says, as my father, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to get rid of this and we're going to do this and we're going to go to church and we're going to do this and we're going to... And the wife says, well, well, I'm going to do right too and, and I shouldn't be doing this and I should be doing this and, and pretty soon the husband and wife are like on the same page and they're going in the same direction towards the Lord and the kids are just... And I'm telling you, it's not like you got to beg your kids to do, do right. You just serve the Lord and they see God real in your life and they want to follow that God. Strong Christians build strong families, and strong families build strong churches. See, as we we grow and mature as families, it's going to be a blessing to our church. You know why there's so many lousy churches out there? There's lousy families out there. I mean, it's typical in most churches to just assume that everybody's been, you know, with this guy and now he's with this girl and he's with this girl and there's just split up. I mean, it's just, it's just assumed that families are a mess. I hope that changes. And I hope at this church we say, hey, yeah, that used to be norm, but that ain't norm now. That the young people in our church say, yeah, I came from that home, just like my mother. I came from that home, but that's not how it's going to be in my home. Strong families build strong churches and strong churches build strong communities and nations. And this is what's wrong with our country. 
because individually we're pointing at our finger at somebody else saying, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You know what? In a lot of ways, there's just a lot of people I can't fix, but I can't take care of this guy right here and what I'm supposed to be doing. And dads, you're to be the spiritual leader. Would you be surprised if I told you that most, most families, it's the mother's idea if they go to church? In most families, it's the mother's idea if they have any Bible reading time. It's the mother's concern if they want to learn anything in Sunday school. Can I tell you something? That's the problem. Dads, husbands, you're the man. Play the man. Lead. And from that leadership comes blessing. Let me encourage you, fathers. Let me encourage you, husbands. Let me encourage you, young men. We've got some young men in here. They're starting to think they might want to get married. Let me encourage you, young men and young ladies, to do it God's way. And just so you know, if you haven't figured it out, not everything that's labeled Christian is doing it God's way. But the Bible is God's way. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm going to close in prayer.